Rico. And I'm Marcy. And welcome back to the Colored Pages Book Club. Mm-hmm. That's right, y'all. It's another week, or maybe a bye week, of that podcast <laughs> that focuses on fiction, <laughs> fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from Colorful Backgrounds. Uh, yes, Colorful Backgrounds, indeed. Also, shout out to Bisexual Weeks. Um, <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> but yes, no, so today we are going to be hopping into part two of Post Traumatic by Chantelle V. Johnson. Ooh, yes, yes, we will. But before we do that, Marcy, guess what? Do you, do you <laughs> have wait, a question? Wait, do you have a question? And do you have a question? <laughs> I do. I do have a question. It's not directly related to the book, but more about how the book made me think. Um, mm. You know, when you're listening to a podcast or it's it's like a meta question is what I'm trying to say. But mm-hmm. you know, when you're listening to a podcast or you're reading a book and you get triggered by something like yeah. you just have to like put the book down because they're like, wow, mm-hmm. that feels like really deep and close to me and something I should examine but can't right now because I don't feel like I have the mental capacity to See? <sighs> wonder what's on television. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So my question is, one, how does that feel? Like, how do you know when a piece of media has triggered you or set something off? And two, what do you do? And then a kind of like a part C question is, Mm. what do you do when the world, it feels like the world, you you know, we live in like dark times um, Mm. or maybe all times are dark and we just like decided to call these dark times. Yeah. But like um, when just things feel really bad, like because they are right Mm. like but what do you do when you're suddenly like wow i'm just spiraling into nihilistic despair (laughs) (laughs) okay um one hell of a question um (laughs) let's see so it's like, it one hell of a part C too. Like, you know, when you're taking an exam at school and you go right. through the first two and you're like, okay. okay. And you get the last question and they're like, prove science. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, usually like as it gets to like part A, part B, like it, it's like decreasing level of stakes, but uh, it like got like more intense. Like, like damn, part <laughs> C really could have like could have been part A. Like, Jesus. Um, but yeah, so I would say as far as like when... I experience a trigger just through a piece of media. I feel like for me, it shows up most in like my chest. I feel like I tend to have a moment Mm. where I'm like, it's not that I can't breathe, but I feel like my chest is like full of rocks. Like it just feels like Mm. I get this like hollow, almost like balloon like feeling, but that feels also very solid. And I'm like, this is a more laborious Mm. process than it typically is um so i usually notice it in my body first and then after that it's kind of like a moment of like i feel like i just like start to blank out a little bit like it's like i'm like receiving information but like nothing's sticking and i'm just kind of like it's almost like i'm like frozen in time and i'm like okay we're gonna take a beat we're gonna just take a second um and just you know evaluate this um i will say the feeling for me it it doesn't necessarily feel threatening or at least that's how i've experienced it up to this point but it is a moment where i'm just like okay girl like 
back up, pause, do something. Like, <laughs> it's like we, we, we touched mm-hmm. on something here, mm-hmm. and I think we need to we need to really sit on that. So once I start to notice that, I'm usually like, okay, like let's let let's let's take a moment. Um, that was part A. What was part B? <laughs> Oh, what do no, you do? I, what do you do? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, usually in those moments, I typically will try to divert my attention in some way. Or um, I find that like being in a more open space helps. So like if I'm if mm. I'm able to like go outside, I feel like usually that helps to kind of like, well, living in New York, that can sometimes actually be more stressful. But like, but, you know, <laughs> typically it's like, okay, if I'm able to like, you know, see some trees, walk around, like just be outside, feel a bit more open. I feel like I it's, it's easier to access like just breath. Um, mm. So I, I usually would say trying to get myself into a more open space helps. Um, if that's not really possible, then yeah, just taking a moment to just do some like deep breathing or some kind of like some sort of like like movement oriented thing be it like stretching or something like that usually kind of helps me a little bit now what happens when i fall into nihilistic despair and like how do i cope <laughs> like i i don't know if i have the most like oh yes whenever this happens i do this this and this and then poof it's gone like i feel like i just i feel like i just be in it like i really will just have yeah. seasons sometimes where i'm just like huh guess nothing matters like love that um it's usually just like in some ways it can be protective um it's just kind of like okay well like it can i guess help to self-regulate and maybe reduce the stakes of certain things um such that it's not always so overwhelming but like Mm. i don't know i think that like i can definitely get into a place where i'm like i'm just like feeling this and we'll see if we emerge from it honest not gonna hold you i feel like even now i'm like you know um we're just i i think it's one of those things where i'm like it's not even that i get into a place where i'm just like nothing matters i think i just get into a space of just like collective disappointment and just like where we've landed (laughs) and how we're living our lives and just like I mean, just truly how it's just, there's just so much like preventable suffering that I'm just, I, I feel like I get into a space of just like, wow, I just hate it here. Like, I, I like, wow, we really, this is really, re- wow, wow, right. I just. I'm like the worst timeline. Yeah, the worst timeline. And and for what? For the benefit of whom? Like, honestly, like, I'm mm. like, who is truly living? Like, being like, I, I mean, living in like a, yes, bitch, I'm living. Like, that type of, you know what I mean? Like, like yes, yeah. we might be alive. But like, it's just like, who was thriving in this shit? Um, so I think I definitely just get into, I just like kind of feel it. And then like, I find that, I mean, anyone who's been listening to me for longer than seven minutes will know like this is going to be a surprise to zero people but i definitely find that art is usually a space where like it can help me sort of recenter on like a sense of purpose and it's not even always even like my own specific artistic practice even just being in like artistic spaces or like in a curated space of Mm -hmm. like healing um like i've been going to these like i guess you could kind of you could i guess you could call them open mics but like they feel a lot more spiritual than that um it's just like a space for people to just come together and share and laugh and just like commune. And like, I feel like spaces like that really, I like just hearing, just hearing people like, ex- like, like, like just seeing and hearing people like express themselves is just like so beautiful that I feel like I'm always in a space of like, ah, yes, this is like 
this this is like significance to me like this is like what matters this is like right what i want my life to to replicate um as much as possible and so even as i say that out loud i'm like okay Mar- marcy that's helpful information let's just <laughs> let's take that in you just said out loud on record yeah. that like these like that's the type of space that really brings you the most purpose and so do with that as you will but um but yeah, so I would say that's usually how I tend to navigate that. But um, how about you, friend? Hmm. Yeah. Those are some deep answers. I want to like touch base on them, but mm. I unfortunately is the, uh, am the one who made this like a three part question. So I guess I'll start from the top. Um. So for me, when I am listening to some piece of media that's triggering for me. I unfortunately feel like it took me a long time to recognize that that was happening. So I would Mm. like immediately disassociate or I would become irrationally angry, (laughs) but like Mm. could not explain why I was angry. And I think part of that reason is I, I in the past didn't have as much of a somatic center as you do. Like Mm. I literally had to go to a somatic therapist. (laughs) Because like, Mm. what's that thing people are doing where they like understand their feelings as internalized inside their body? And she was like, hmm, interesting. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) So I think for me, um, I would, yeah. And I do notice that my feet would become really cold. I know some chicken, like my feet become like super cold. I just become like my body temperature just drops. Um, So, yeah, and then I think you're right. I think it does put you in like a hyper vigilant state. So, when you said you're like, it's not that I'm afraid, but I'm kind of frightened, I think that's the hyper vigilance, right? Because mm. when you're triggered, it's not like nothing. It's not like you're just like, oh, I feel bad about what I'm listening to. Like, that that's, right. can happen, and that also sucks. But it's also like your body is having like whatever sensory thing has happened makes you feel like you are in a situation that you're body is familiar with which was dangerous mm. um so yeah so when i when that does happen i'm like oh we're done listening to this <laughs> right because i used to be like push through like just keep listening you know just like whatever like deal deal with your emotions you're stronger than that okay hilarious don't do that <laughs> so <laughs> what do i have to prove yeah. to anybody exactly. what do you like- try to prove and I think the society, especially when we were younger and, you know, people were like, what triggers are not real? And everyone's just a special snowflake who doesn't understand pain. And you're like, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. totally got mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but I, they're wrong. So anyway, the thing I do is first, if I'm listening to it, listening to it in my earphones, I just take my earphones out. I don't know, but there's something specifically about it being so close to my ears, like whatever the person's saying so close to my ears that feels more intimate. So if I do want to mm. listen to it again, I'm just like, I will listen to this like maybe on speaker or like on another device, but I'm not going to listen to it so close to my ear because for some reason that feels very intimate and it makes mm. it feel more dangerous. But that's after I just stop listening to it completely and do something else. Like Like to your point, like take a walk, do something else. I don't know. There are a multitude <laughs> right. of other options. <laughs> something else. <laughs> Watch television, bake bread. I don't know. But um, talk to a friend. But yeah, and then I like later after I've maybe listened to it again, if I wanted to, if it was something deep, I do try to ask myself like what 
was it that triggered me? If I don't already know. Some things you listen to, you're like, okay, I already know what's gotten me. (laughs) But if I don't know, I do like to sit down later and think about it because I think it is indicative to me of something I haven't sorted. So Mm. I don't think being triggered in some situations is like just you already know what's going on and you just are like, I need to not be in the scenario anymore. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if it unearths something that you're like, wait, why is this something that's bothering me? Later, later, and maybe with the help of a therapist, it might not be so bad to like dig through your psyche and figure out what it was Um, Mm. at your own time, not forced on you by anyone else. Okay, nihilism. I think your answer pretty much sums it up. Like, I think that sometimes you just have to like, not give into it like where you sink to the point of having no way out. But sometimes I like to think of it as like a wave of feeling. And I think it's something to say, like there's a collective grief, there's a collective disappointment. And I think that has to be felt like, I think one of the problems with capitalism is it tries to make us feel like we are not the cost of our actions isn't as big as we intrinsically mm. know that it is. Right, <laughs> like, right. And not just capitalism, like also imperialism, colonialism, in fact, just hatred in general. <laughs> like the cost of hurting each other is really detrimental to the collective mm. human population and animals and the environment. Like, and I think sometimes we as humans like suddenly wake up and remember that that's the case. And I think it does fill us with a deep, overwhelming grief because we do know i think humans are hopeful and we do know things could be different and we do know that we could aspire to more for the circumstances we find ourselves in some of our own creation but most of it not like we really were just born into a world already in turmoil (laughs) no literally like oh my god um so yeah i think i think of it as the feeling as one something that reminds me that i'm human and that other people are human and that the things that, like you said, that might seem important in society aren't. <laughs> and that I think is good because I think a lot of people run away from the true reality of being alive, you know? Mm. That being said, it could go really far down and really dark. It's a little bit like a wave where I think for for the worst part, you just kind of have to ride it out. Like, don't go any deeper. Just ride out. Mm. <laughs> But then when I'm trying to get out of it, it feels like looking for the smallest thing that's mm-hmm. good to like bring me almost like a reset, like a flower on a pavement or a snowflake hanging from a lantern light or mm-hmm. that really delicious cookie that someone gave me for free at the Costco. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. I think you have to go really minuscule to find hope and and like take everything as a much more bite-sized piece anyway so that's my answer i love what you just said and it's it's interesting because um you know i mean fuck it i'm we i mean we already keeping it a stack you know i feel like this is something that i've definitely been trying to also learn how to do again um like just kind of find those like minus uh you know the the mundane the the minuscule just try like just finding that sense of wonder again um and i find that like 
in the past, it was a little bit easier for me to access that. I feel like my, uh, you know, my degree of social awareness was not the same. Um, but I've noticed though, is that like, I feel like there's almost like a guilt in that, that I experience. Like if I'm just like, yeah. oh yeah, like, yes, a sense of wonder, like, ah, uh, yes, being present. Mm, what a beautiful world we live in. I'm like, it feels like that's almost, it's like insulting almost to be like the yeah. girl, like motherfuckers is out here suffering. What are you talking about? You know, like, it's, it's like, I, I, and and that's a piece that I think I'm still trying to figure out how do you navigate, right? Like, how do you balance the, I mean, just the reality of, like, institutional violence, communal violence, etc. And also, like, yeah, trying to also not just fall into despair constantly, you know? Yeah. Like, like, um, and, and, and regaining some sense of, like, okay, but, like, maybe life is, like, you know if we ain't gonna say beautiful i mean it maybe it's noteworthy i don't know you know like just like regaining a sense of like oh there's like something to this i guess um we're not just like on this hellscape for several decades at a time until we die you know maybe there's something bigger here i guess um so you know that's definitely something that i feel like i struggle with um yeah so yeah i just wanted to name that in case anyone else is like yeah girl like but how do you do that though? <laughs> so. Yeah, I've totally like I'm really glad you said that because literally every time, especially as I get older, where I feel like, yeah, the world's beautiful. I'm like, wow, it's really not though. And I feel mm-hmm. really bad and guilty about thinking that it's good because it hurts so much. And I think about times where I've been deeply hurt and I felt deeply alone and I you know, it it's like hard, right? It's exactly what you're saying because it feels almost disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something to be said about two things being true at the same time, mm. which has helped me. Yeah. Like, yes, both those things are true. <laughs> like, and both those things will always be true. Um, and it doesn't make your happiness doesn't, make the pain any less but mm-hmm. the the pain doesn't make um the happiness any less legitimate for everyone and i i right. think too it does make me feel like to the point about the cost it makes me move differently like in a sense that like if there's a small good thing i could do i should do it because mm. if i'm so concerned about the terrible things that happen then like fine at, at least in the world that i can control i will try to make it a better world where i'm at so like if i'm mm. at work and something happens like i'm not gonna take out my frustrations on someone even if it's been taken out on me like i'm mm. not going to like if you know what I mean? Just a small yeah. thing. Like <laughs> like someone's like, oh, I don't have enough, whatever, I'll cover you. Like, even if it's a stranger, like stopping when someone asks for direct, you know what I mean? Like, right. these aren't, these aren't like huge things. I agree. We're not going to solve the world's problems. Although you can do that too. And a lot of us do, right? Like work to solve the problems in a larger way. But just knowing the cost of our despair or knowing the cost of our actions and how much despair they can lead to it makes me, it's sobering a sense that I'm like, okay, if this is something that upsets me, that in the ways that I can be better or do better towards people, I will try because Mm -hmm. maybe this will solve a little thing or maybe this will alleviate someone's suffering a little bit. And that might not be everything, but maybe it's enough 
to get them till tomorrow. And right. maybe if they get to tomorrow, someone else's small actions will make their life easier. Um, mm. That's that is real. And wow, that's just, it's just very, it, that, that was very moving. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I should say this or not. You know, I, I, I think, um, I mean, before I even say what I'm about to say, uh, you know, trigger warning for, you know, suicide, suicidality. Um, but what you're saying is really interesting because um, it makes me think about how just from like various, I guess, interviews and, and, and sources and things that I've explored through the years, um, something that I think is noteworthy about that is that I remember I, I came across this resource that was talking about, you know, sort of the experiences of those who survived suicide attempts and like, you know, some of their insights from it. Um, And a lot of people communicated that, that like had someone just like checked in with them, said, you know, looked in them in the eyes, smiled at them, said, you know, like was there was some level of care expressed to them on like that day. Um, That would have really made a world of difference. Um, How it really is just the mundane, like, nicety not even just niceties but the ways in which we actually acknowledge and 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 truly see not you know always visually right but like but metaphorically seeing one another that is so important and so foundational and can really do a lot of good especially when when folks are in a really isolated and, and difficult place and so you know i think that there is a lot of power in that um and that to your point it's like you know set your expectations right like it's like it's not like that is going to change everything radically but also you know there is something to be said for i mean ultimately when we think about like broader social phenomenons or movements or you know even structures right like it's like i mean it's only really made up of individual actions and individual behaviors and so like yeah i mean i mean a culture is just that right like just the amalgamation of people individual people making choices and so if that was if that was something to be modeled on an individual basis and that just kind of gained traction theoretically speaking then then yeah that that really could shift a lot and, and and really change how it is that um we understand culture and how culture is manifesting for all of us so damn um i just really appreciate you saying that and i just think that that's yeah just i i i i needed that reminder so thank you yeah yeah it's a hard one truth on my part so and i'm like once i'm like a weirdo I'm like once i know something i sh- shall share with everyone but um it's not it's not coming from a place of not experiencing despair it's yeah. coming from a place of experiencing it deeply um anyway Aka was like, what? Deeper dive into self? No, because right now we have to transition into right. summary. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so moving on. We, <laughs> uh, we will see you all in a moment when we get back to the summaries. So. Luckily, good. also caveat, this episode, it's not as serious as the last episode, the yeah. summary, so mm. don't be as worried. Yes. Okay. Okay. See you in a bit. Um, all right, y'all. 
else. Thanks for sticking with us. Also, it's very early in the morning when Marcy and I are recording. I know that's like some behind the scenes information that y'all were like, did we need to know? But just <laughs> bear with us. <laughs> Marcy and I still have to work jobs. And so we right. record when we can. And tragically. So, um, yes. Tragically. So. <laughs> so, you know, bear with us if we're a bit sleepy or at least bear with me. All right. So quick summary. Recap. Jane and Vivian are not speaking. If you remember, Vivian like knocked over her plants after a very intense argument. The mm-hmm. titular point was not the plants being knocked over, but it was very symbolic of where they were in the relationship. I will say and the then, plant's name was Beyonce, which did add an extra layer oh, to it. Um, there you go. So just like extra disrespectful, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's what they can't come back from, actually. Exactly. Um, so. right. <laughs> Beyonce has been knocked over. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> Beyonce the fern. Okay, but anyway, uh, Vivian is also sort of <laughs> dating this very bland man named Matthew. Lord, um, he's literally like a blank space on a piece of paper. Like, how am I already tired? Like, I'm just like, <laughs> like we just started. <laughs> like, it's true. It's exhausting. Oh and my then god. She has a strained relationship with her family that for that goes like very deep, um, and she is going back and forth about cutting them off. Okay, so we get to the second half. Since Jane and Vivian are no longer speaking, she reconnects with an old friend, Christina, who she went to undergraduate with. And I believe Christina is also a person of color, but I think she's Latin, Latinx, Latin A. Yeah, she is. Yep. Um, so she's in a relationship with a, per- a man who, okay, sorry, I say she's in a relationship with a quizzical voice because it sounds like she's <laughs> in the relationship for security and not mm-hmm. wanting to be lonely and maybe yep. they both are and they don't have a great sex life, which is not like At all. the most significant thing, except it sounds like they do want a better sex life. Mm-hmm. And then also maybe there's a porn addiction involved so you're like this is sounding like not an ideal situation but what do i know life I is long the, i think the narrator literally had a line that was like before christina realized that she was in an intervention episode she realized it was too late <laughs> and i was like damn like christina like yeah, yeah this is like super not ideal yeah, ideal except they're gonna get married anyway mm-hmm. so. <laughs> <laughs> sure oh god right. yeah so later they're hanging out <laughs> together and I just, I have no cause. Co- I, I have no thought. I, I have thoughts on it, but I can't. Do you ever like get somewhere where your brain is just like, I, I don't have a conclusive thought to yeah, give like you. They're just like aren't words. Um, to yes, describe there we go. This, so. <laughs> <laughs> so then later as Marcy and Akko sat there in confused disbelief. Wordlessly just existing. Um, <laughs> They decide, um, Vivian and Christina, not Marcy and Ako, to go to a party mm. together um, where they, <laughs> the, it gets real, like, I don't know. It ends up sounding <gasps> kind of like um, a reality television show because mm-hmm. Paula who is there, who now goes by Pauline, and she's thinner and prettier now, and she's quit her job in academia or public service, and now she wants to write a cookbook for the Instagram. And you're like, huh, this took a turn I wasn't expecting. And quick th- quick thing, Pauline's the one who, um, in part one, when um, Vivian went to that panel and like they were, yes. they were talking after her, she was the one who was like, oh, women just compete with each other, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's, that's Pauline. So same person. Yeah. That that person who we thought was truly a minimal character, she suddenly showed up and became very significant. Yeah, she's like pretty significant in part yeah, two. Well. 
And so there's a lot of dynamics going on and we're introduced to new people. So we've just met Christina and now we meet Vivian's friend, Max, who's gay and a lawyer and I think works in corporate America. He, yeah, that's probably true. And then mm-hmm. they're talking at this party and the the party seems very um, unfun is what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like there's no music and it sounds like mm-hmm. everyone's just kind of having like a conversation about, but tr- everyone's trying to play this like strategic game of who is the most interesting person in the room, which sounds oh exhausting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am not going to pretend like I've never been in these conversations. I just never enjoy them. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Paula makes an off colored comment about race and how like she, I don't know. I think she says something about wishing she had a struggle or something, which is absurd, yep. mm-hmm. which has also been said to me, by the way, um, someone told me that my art would have deeper meaning. Cause I had all these, you know, I was a woman and let of, not just that a black woman mm-hmm. and not just that an immigrant black woman you mm-hmm. haven't made kiddo. So you can write the deepest of poetries based nothing on your skill set. And in me as a white man, I'm going to struggle so hard because I have to find (laughs) a deep meaning. Anyway, so speaking of um, (laughs) conversations that I didn't enjoy, her husband seems to be really into Vivian or at least thinks she's interesting or I don't know. I think there's an intersection of gender and race here, but given how this ends who cares um his name's elliot right and then vivian ends up feeling isolated at the party because i don't know she starts to feel like contemptuous or like envious of pauline and she starts following her on social media and feels weird about how like she's so thin but she also makes cookies and eats them on instagram and i think vivian is just getting very fixated on pauline as paul yeah pauline as like that's accurate yeah, something. It's it's just a very st- comparison about herself and her insecurities and maybe what she desires. So anyway, the group ends up having a conversation about Woody Allen, which I wouldn't recommend. Um, and Vivian makes a statement about how basically rape culture interse- intersects with all of us personally. And I think her point is like we all consume media, and in that media are people's artists we all know this who have done heinous things and there's a question it's actually the conversation was interesting like how do you consume media at all knowing what's behind Mm. artists and then how do you where is the line between separating the artist from the art because Mm. at some point you're going to be like i can't listen to anything (laughs) because this whole like system is pernicious and it's a hard question i don't have an answer but Anyway, it, the the conversation gets awkward and hard to hear, and it, it just becomes very uncomfortable. And so Vivian, Vivian leads. She calls an Uber. She gets in, and it seemed to her like the driver was going off course and kidnapping her. I think, and this is confirmed, that what happened was she got triggered. Like she was, the event probably didn't make her feel very good. Something happened. And just, or maybe just being in a closed space, anything, really anything can set off, you know, a trigger in someone's life, right? Like it can mm-hmm. be any, it could be the color of something. It could be the smell of something. It truly, mm-hmm. so anyway, so something sets her off and she thinks the driver is trying to kidnap her, which was similar to her childhood trauma. So she jumps out the window, the driver freaks out, but then ultimately drives away. She runs into this like garage 
and is basically trying to explain to the mechanic what happened. And the mechanic's like, no, the, Vivian's like, there's a left turn. He didn't take the left turn. He was going to take me somewhere else. And the, the driver's like, there's no left turn there, actually. <laughs> He's mm. correct. You can't turn there. And then she suddenly like snaps out of it and realizes, oh my God, I think I didn't have that right or my perception was off. And that's actually mm. a very jarring experience to realize like your perception was off. It, it can be really unnerving. So yeah. she goes home and tries to like self soothe by writing fiction about the situation. Later, for reasons no one can understand, uh, Matthew's back in the story and they're on a date. <sighs> oh and <my> God, <laughs> we could have really, I mean, like Jane yeah. didn't have speaking roles, but like Matthew did that. Like I'm I, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the Matthew part because I think there's some value in the sex scene that was written and their time together, but I can't, again, I'm like literally sitting there with a blank. I don't have words for it. Anyway, so <laughs> they have a date and they have sex. And I don't know, at first I was going to be like, they have this like very long monologue about Matthew's penis size, which I found mm-hmm. at first like very annoying. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? My takeaway from all this is that we read a book where like the penis was smaller and that was fine. And now this one's bigger and that's also fine, which really just means that the answer is you should not equate your worth at all to your physical properties, Mm. (laughs) not being tall, not being short, not being thin, not anything. But anyway, that's not, I don't know if that was the book's takeaway, but that was mine. So they seem to have a good time. Thank you. Right. Like, I'm just trying to clean what I can. Right. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> um, anyway, but they have a good time. He asks her sort of out of the blue if she has an eating disorder because of the way she talks about it. Oh, yeah. Colors. He did do that. He did. Oh, and my then, God. Yeah, it was very. And then he was like, I had two girlfriends who had eating disorders and they dumped me. And you're like, did you have any more deep thoughts, Matthew, on your girlfriends than that? And he was like, I don't. And then I was like, okay, again, I just feel like Matthew's really not, you know, batting the average. Um, so shortly <laughs> after, like, she, he's, I just don't feel like he's really invested. Anyway, which is true. Yeah. Shortly after, so they, they leave, she leaves, and he's like, I had a great time with you. Yeah, not good enough to text her. Anyway, he goes, sir. Mm-hmm. And um, we later find out that he definitely has a new girlfriend. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's an old flame. So he was like, I, my old girlfriend came back into my life, which is all fine and good. But it's just like, I just. Anyway, so later Vivian decides <laughs> to cut off her. <laughs> just, <I don't... laughs> just no words. <laughs> it's, it's, I think, when, let me try and solidify what I, how I feel about this. My issue is not him going back to another girlfriend i think that's fine and my issue isn't i do think that vivian might have thought he was more invested than he was all that's true i just feel like yeah i don't have words anyway so later vivian decides to cut off her family and change her number um it was like a very anxiety producing scene like even me reading it was very anxiety producing but she eventually does it and there's actually this really funny thing with the variety what i think it's just like a phone company where she like can't remember her pin and it's like it was just very <laughs> relatable like everyone knows that feeling when they're like well what's the pin number for your account you're like i haven't checked my account in like five years i don't know what my pin number is <laughs> like, right and then it was like, they're like what's your date of birth what's your social security and then you gotta like ask your uncle for his 
social security because like he's the one who set up the account in like 2008 right and And then they were like (laughs) and then vivian was like just try to like press zero or say representative but it was unsuccessful and i'm like oh my god that's way too relatable (laughs) like i literally would be like representative representative and like the ai whatever is like i'm sorry we can't accommodate that until you provide this information and i'm like this is the fifth circle of hell oh right (laughs) like what did i do what did i do in my past life like Like, is this penance (laughs) what the fuck is this oh it's so true it's like when you try to like enter whatever cable service or whatever anyway um my god so So then after that, we see kind of the most, probably the deepest, I would say that, I would say like the point of this book um, in a way. And it's it's Vivian basically in court and you see these scenes of basically how people are pushed into mental health facilities for longer. And you start to see, one, it's based a lot on judges' discretion. It's based on a lot on race racism classism and resources so for instance a lot of people so she makes this distinction where like one man is put into a mental health facility but then another man who's like a lawyer and is white and his family comes and advocates for him he's sent home like probably the same condition or similar conditions oh yeah but one person is institutionalized another person isn't and so i think that point is just to make us really think about what we mean when we call someone whatever thing that we're calling them. I'm not going to use any of the words. Um, anyway, so if you guys remember Melissa, who was Vivian's client, um, Melissa was that young girl who at the very beginning like felt threatened and then had the knife and with the nurse and then it was a whole incident. Mm-hmm. So her case goes up and Vivian plans to have her mother, Ruby, come in and plea that Melissa is ready to leave the institution. And... To be fair, Vivian talked to Ruby and Ruby made it seem very clearly that she, yes, wanted her daughter back, wanted her to leave the institution. But when she gets up to testify instead, she says that Melissa needs to stay in there for the future of herself and her child. And Melissa freaks out because this is just like a huge betrayal. It's just like a huge maternal betrayal of, Mm -hmm. of her daughter. And it's basically, she freaks out Vivian doesn't know what to do because Ruby has just gone completely off script. And then Ruby just walks out and leaves her daughter there. And they basically, I mean, they, yeah, they take her away and they like force her, like force her on a table. And she's like, Melissa's like to Vivian, like you promised me they wouldn't like restrain me. Like you promised. And it's just Mm -hmm. this huge, terrible scene. And Vivian is basically like has gone cold and like can't, like is clearly disassociating Mm -hmm. and then another client comes in when uh, or another patient comes in i don't think it was her client um who she had talked to in part one and he's put back into the institution the judge is like he's very dangerous and he was like vivian you handled that so well i know you don't seem scared at all you're so strong and i was like wow you're deeply misreading the disassociation of a black woman as Mm -hmm. strength so Vivian is super distraught and she goes back to her office and quits that same day. So she leaves her profession. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Vivian quits. <clears throat> she's like, fuck out of here. Done with this. Um, so now with no job, basically she's like, you know what? I'm really just going to focus on my writing, which I was like, great. I really think that we could just move <laughs> with that. And then what ensues next is just, <sighs> Okay. Yeah. So, all right, y'all. 
But, okay, buckle up, y'all, because when I tell you a tonal shift is about to happen. Okay, yeah. so basically, <laughs> shortly after this whole situation, when Vivian quits her job, she ends up going to karaoke with Pauline, which again, why are we hanging out with Pauline, who you expressly dislike? Mm. Um, so she hangs out with Pauline, her partner, uh, Pauline's uh, husband, Elliot, Christina, and like, you know, a, a bunch of other you know, people. Vivian's at karaoke. She's bodying it. She's doing super, super well. Um, everyone like loves her, right? Now, going into the situation, Vivian was like, listen, not for nothing. Matthew is out of the picture. Elliot mm. seemed really interested at the last party. So I and I fucking hate Pauline, so I kind of want to fuck Elliot. And I'm like, that seems a little uh unnecessary. Uh, yeah, like a bit um unethical. Terrible. A little bit. Um, And Vivian's like, well, Pauline's... And and this is like actually... we could discuss this later but basically she was like oh well pauline's like a privileged white woman and like has never had to struggle with anything so frankly like i don't give a fuck which it's like i mean <laughs> fair i guess but like maybe don't just actively cause harm like you know what i mean like yeah. i feel like you're just using that to like justify bad behavior but Causing whatever um so basically vivian and elliot are like having these like super flirty moments like at karaoke like singing to each other and shit pauline is just right there holding her like wings and cookies and shit she's like i cannot believe these motherfuckers are doing this in front of me so at one point, Vivian and Christina go to the bathroom because Christina's like, girl, I need to talk to you. And Christina's like, hey, Vivian, um, it's giving mm-hmm. flirty with you and mm-hmm. Elliot. Pauline's my friend. It's kind of weird. Maybe not. And then Vivian's like, that's so weird. Like, why would you even say that? Like, is that even happening? And Christina's like, okay, sis, just just want to let you know <laughs> it was giving happening. it was giving flirty. And Vivian's like, yeah, girl, whatever. So at this point, Vivian is in. So Vivian goes to use one of the one of the stalls. She recognizes she recognizes that Pauline soon they're after like enters the the bathroom um and she like hides her feet so that pauline like doesn't know that someone's like in a stall um also trigger warning for eating disorders uh, bulimia but basically um vivian over here is pauline like throwing up in the stall next to her so essentially to vivian confirms that you know pauline has an eating disorder which helps her feel vindicated because she's like oh like i don't understand how pauline got so thin and like is able to eat all this and you know all of that so like basically vivian feels like she's like uh it's kind of like an i knew it feeling i guess um yeah so essentially nothing else really happens that night aside What's from it the called fact- schadenfreude yeah yeah, yeah. it's like the else? yeah that which is um yeah um uh, we never learned that in German class but yeah I'm like all these years later I'm like oh that that would have actually been helpful but um but yes so nothing else really happens the rest of the night but basically Vivian was like I'm about to be as messy as possible and yeah. this does not end at karaoke it continues at Christina's wedding which happens wedding. immediately after so basically right. Vivian comes up with this acme ass cockamamie ass <laughs> plan where she's like Truly. I'm yes here for Christina's wedding but I'm really here to fuck Ellie. I'm really here to finish the job that we started at karaoke. And I want to also not only fuck Elliot. What's up? I just want to say, like, I'm not being funny. Elliot hasn't. I mean, Elliot may have said some words, but like not enough. (laughs) Not Mm -hmm. enough to justify like her line of thinking in which that Elliot would be a willing participant in her scheming. Right. Like there wasn't so much chemistry that like this was foolproof. Like Vivian's like, oh yeah, Evian, Elliot's like definitely down, and I'm like, is Elliot down? Like it's <laughs> it's it's giving. I don't know. Elliot is whatever. So basically, she's like, boom. So I'm a I'm a fuck Elliot while we at Christina's wedding, which also like I mean it, it, that that already don't even sound right. And then basically she yeah. was like, and I also want to get Pauline as high as possible because basically, um, you know, Vivian smokes. 
And she was like, oh, I want to like have Pauline like smoke like this like really strong strain that I have. It have her so high that like she like embarrasses herself while I fuck her husband. So- I just want to point out, it's not that it, in no way did Vivian give Pauline like drugs without her consent. Pauline wanted the weed, but Vivian did not tell her the strength of the weed. I just want to point that out so it doesn't seem like she just, because if you drug someone, that's a very right. Yeah. That's not entirely what happened. That does not mean this was 100%. This was maybe 50% at best. No, that's tea. That's tea. And, and, you know, weed etiquette, especially because Pauline doesn't really smoke like that. So Vivian was like, okay, I know that Pauline's probably a lightweight. So, like, I should, like, give her, like, a lower, you know, lower strain. Like, try to, like, you know, make sure that she doesn't take too many hits. Like, all that. Vivian's like, fuck all that. I'm going to give her the shit that I smoke every day. And Pauline's going to, like, be off her ass. It's so, very callous. It's yeah, very, very callous. callous. Um, so basically, yeah, she ends up doing that um, when they're like all like at a beach, and she was like, w- like watching Pauline to be like, so is Pauline? Has she like embarrassed herself yet? Has Pauline like just done something so out? And then Pauline's like, I'm actually completely fine. Like <laughs> borderline. Fine. So I'm actually, I think, more popular than I was before. So thanks, <laughs> Vivian. And Vivian's like, I saw where I got. Vivian's like, okay, well, that's a chop part two. So she like goes and like takes a walk with Elliot on the beach at one moment like tries to kiss him and he's like um what the fuck are you doing and she was like um isn't it energy between us and he was like i have a wife wife. this is so ashy and she's like oh my god so basically vivian goes back to the so elliot's like eek runs back to the party vivian goes maybe like 20 like 20 minutes later and basically she's just like pissed she's like okay pauline's like literally more popular elliot rejected me which eek Mm. and then at the same time she was like I'm just like really fucking irritated. So at one point she gets in this group conversation with Pauline and like a bunch of other people ends up exposing the fact that um, Pauline has an eating disorder and then like throws a glass. Like, so she didn't mean to. So she wanted to, she was holding a glass and she wanted to like pour, like douse Pauline with like the water inside her glass. She ends up like losing her grip in like, the glass leaves her hand. So essentially she, it looks like she just threw the glass at Pauline, but Pauline thankfully ducked and like missed it. And like, so that, you know, it didn't hit her, but everyone was like, Vivian, what, what the fuck yeah. just happened? Remember, she, these people are in their mid thirties. It's this, is <laughs> this is like, uh, yeah, it's not excusable. Like I reading it, I was like, Oh, Vivian, I want to be, on your side but we are so far trust me i do but you are making it incredibly difficult right now so anyway vivian's like you know i think i've overstayed my part christina congratulations (laughs) but mm, okay i think i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave so she leaves mortified as fuck the next day she's at home just like high as fuck watching tv and like the police like show up to her apartment um like banging on the door and shit um essentially what's going on is that like you know she's had like they're doing like a wellness check because after vivian like cut off her family they essentially were like oh like we're we're, like worried like this seems like something that she wouldn't do so basically the police are there for like a wellness check right vivian's paranoid because she's like oh my god did pauline like call the police on me after everything that happened mm-hmm. and like and then you know also she's like fucking police like i like why are police like at my door right now so like she ends up having this like panic attack also um, i i do want to point so i've had people <laughs> call the police for various reasons concerned with my safety i have to be honest never have they knocked on the door in a way that wasn't terrifying just zero yeah. times it's always like you're like okay i think you're freaking me out just by your arrival and yeah and i think there's a I'm not going to go into all the reasons, but 
continue. Yeah, no. And I mean, Vivian has like the same reaction. She's like, this is like fucking terrifying. So she calls Jane, who she hasn't spoken to since part one, and is like, hey, this is the situation. This is what's going on. So Jane essentially helps uh, Vivian to navigate the situation, like kind of plays mediator um, in the situation. Um, Thankfully, nothing happens. Basically, the police are like, okay, cool. You're good. And like, you know, just sleep or whatever. But at this point, Jane and Vivian essentially make up. They didn't really talk that much about what happened before. But like, I mean, I guess maybe time will tell. Um, And so shortly after this. um, Time won't tell because the book ends. Oh, yeah, you're right. It won't. Um, anyway, so basically, <laughs> so, so time actually, time's like, please don't volunteer my labor. And I'm like, you right, time, my bad. <laughs> anyway, so basically, police finish their wellness check. And, and shortly thereafter, Vivian decides, okay, like, I think it's time for me to go to therapy because she was noticing that yeah. she was getting, just having a lot of um, just really paranoid moments. Um, so she goes to therapy um, and she meets this white therapist named Lisa, who's generally good people i was nervous because i don't know the white people in this book the track record is not giving it's not giving so i was like lisa we're nervous but lisa's actually pretty pretty great and and essentially Mm -hmm. helps Vivian to really just break down a lot of things from her past um one just helping her to you know make certain connections that like you know vivian has certainly had a pattern where you know men and sort of these more amorous connections have been sort of a self-soothing venture since childhood like pursuing things with guys has been a way for her to you know i think there's something it's called like magical thinking when it happens it, it this is a pretty common thing for various reasons but it's and so like you get fixated on something that you think will like if this happens, that will make everything better. Like, yeah. That will fix everything. And right. I think that's what she's saying these men are standing for. But Absolutely. And like, I mean, you all, I mean, you saw it a lot throughout the book, right? Like when she was like, oh, like if things go well with Matthew, then like who needs my family? Like, you know, Matthew's all the family I need and like, you know, things like that. Um, so she helps Vivian to make that connection. And then also just helps Vivian to kind of come to the, you know, realize that, you know, like the paranoia, all the things that I feel, all those things literally make sense. Like it, it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, and and it's also possible for me to, you know, retrain my nervous system and and, and work to, yeah. um, you know, kind of come up with some techniques to help sort of regulate in these um, really stressful situations. Um, it's not to say obviously it's going to happen overnight, but you know, it's it's a journey. Like, I mean, everything else. Um, mm-hmm. So at this point, Vivian decides, you know, I'm a, you know what, I'm a, I'm a stop dating. Um, I feel like men are maybe just fucking my shit up as far as like what I'm trying to do next. And so she gets really into her writing. Or maybe, um, and, and in a way, like I. Th- to give Vivian some agency and therefore accountability, I think focusing on I statements, like I don't think Vivian is in a place to date right now, whether it's who she's choosing or her behavior in those relationships or her yeah. expectations. Like, I don't think the men are problematic, but I think this is really a Vivian <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> like that's... not to be that person, but it's true. Like there is a point where you have to be like, I'm a woman and I also know that I have agency and I make choices. And sometimes I get to the point where I'm like, I don't, this is not a decision I need to be making. And this Mm. is not a person I need to be around. And I have to ask myself, why am I around this person? Like, why are you hanging out with Pauline? If you don't like Pauline, like you have to ask yourself at a certain point, why am I doing something? I have mm-hmm. the agency and the wherewithal to change it because I'm a human just like anyone else. Right. Now, caveat, caveat, asterisk, 
everything about <laughs> trauma, which we'll get to in the discussion section, but continue. Yeah. No, great. Really, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, super important. Um, and thankfully, because Vivian does make this decision to to just re- reprioritize, essentially, you know, what she's going to spend yeah. her time and energy on, she she gets really into her writing and nearly finishes her novel by the end of the book. And the book essentially ends with her. It's like this scene with her and Jane. They're like uh, replanting these trees at Jane's, uh, or these like you know the plants at Jane's house. Yeah, and it's Beyonce, one of the first. The yeah, Beyonce. So Beyonce does return. Um, Beyonce <laughs> made it. We love. I mean, truly, that that's like the zenith of the book. I'm like, oh, Beyonce's okay. Woo! Um, but basically, <laughs> um, they're like, you know, replay, repotting the plant. Um, and Vivian finds that like while they're doing so, she kind of gets into this flow state and like, yeah. uh, just has a moment where she's like, oh, like I'm not really thinking about anything. I'm just focusing on the task at hand, and just feels like a slower pace uh, mentally for the first time in a really long time. So. Um, there's some there's some hope um for mm-hmm. for you know what what's to come. So so yes, but that is the end of our plot summary. So we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back, we'll get into the questions and discussions and all of that. Woo. And we're back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we said, we're doing that new thing where we ask questions. So the next question I have, <laughs> like a real book club, Akko pushed her glasses back up and mm. looked very um, inquisitive and interested. Um, she was also sitting in a very comfy sofa chair with a robe and a pipe. Mm. Okay, so anyway. Come on, pipe. <laughs> bring, bring back pipes. Come on now. <laughs> I... <laughs> Um, okay, anyway, I have like a hilarious story about that in customs, but I won't get into it. Oh, wait, I love that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Actually, you know, yeah, get into your question. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I truly, because I was, I don't actually smoke, but like I was bringing it back as a gift. And I, because of, I was very young at the time, and I was mm-hmm. like, there's no reason that this should like set off customs in any way because it's just a ruse, it's just a gag gift. And mm-hmm. the person at customs literally looked at me and was like, so you put this in your carry on bag. I said, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "You put this in your, you put this in your carry on." And I was like, "Yes, there's nothing wrong with that." And the man, <laughs> the look on his face, he was like, "I don't know what it was, but I think he truly looked at me and was like, this girl has no idea <laughs> what she's doing.'" I think he just, um, what's it called? Like, what when they take something? Um, yeah, confiscated. Yeah, he confiscated and was like, go, go back home to your family. And I was like, okay. Anyway, the question here is, this is completely irrelevant. The question is, what do you think the author meant by the title post-traumatic? Oh. Oh, that's a really good, oh, wow. I I would say, I feel like it has kind of a dual meaning Mm -hmm. a little bit. I mean, certainly I think... I mean, not even, I think, but I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, Vivian's living with PTSD, um, it's like post-traumatic stress disorder. So I think there is kind of a play on that. Um, And I think also, it can also be read literally, like as far as like, you know, Vivian's, it's not to say that Vivian's life no longer contains trauma, but like the traumatic experiences that she finds really inform her day-to-day lived experiences a lot of them happen in childhood so i think it's also kind of chronicling her you know chronicling that description of like oh like what like 
what does that life look like, you know, after yeah. experiencing like a variety of really traumatic events and, 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 and working to just navigate the world. Um, I think especially towards the end, I started to take that interpretation as Vivian was starting to, you know, go to therapy and, and, and started to, you know, kind of reprioritize things. I think if the book had been a little bit longer, you would sort of see like, okay, like, more and more of those connections go, you know, happening as far as like things that happened uh, to her and also how she will sort of just navigate the world moving forward. But, um, but yeah, so I kind of read it in those two different ways. What did you think, Brent? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think those two things are exactly the sort of play on the term, the sort of irony that the author is really good at mm-hmm. putting into her stories. I also think that, the post-traumatic starts even at the beginning before she gets starts to get better. And I think, mm-hmm. right, because we don't really ever learn what Vivian happened to Vivian, right? Not in mm-hmm. like a very objective way. All we have is where we meet Vivian, which is like mid-30s. And mm-hmm. I think it's really a testament to how much our past traumas really shape our decisions and ways that we start to become unaware of if we don't, Mm. have some introspection or some ceremony or some ritual that helps us separate the past from the present. So Vivian is in a lot of ways living in the shadow of her own past, um, mm. which I think a lot of us are. And I think that's you st- when you start to get older, you realize like something will happen and you suddenly are like, why did I react like that? <laughs> like like mm. something like you, there'll be, and I think this happens to most people where something happens where you're just like, is that me reacting or is that like five-year-old me reacting? Is that 15-year-old me reacting? Is that 12-year-old me reacting? Is that 21-year-old me reacting? And you suddenly have this moment of realization where you're, you're like, you're in that body, that kid body or that helpless body, that body that wasn't able to whatever, to win that fight you wanted to win or for Vivian to, to escape. Right. And so that's why she's getting out Mm -hmm. of this car and, you know, we all think that we're reacting in the world with the world in like the most realistic way possible. Like our per- our perception is what's happening, mm-hmm. but some moments like that will make you realize how much of our lives are dictated by things we haven't, you know, worked out. Right. Um, and I think that's an interesting way to say post traumatic, post the thing happening whatever it was, is this like long tail of its effect, especially in the societies that don't deal with it, right? And then mm-hmm. my other thought was, who gets to be post their trauma, right? So right. we have all these people that we're institutionalizing and it's not like we're institutionalizing with some way out. It's not like right. we're institutionalizing with social services. Like the author does a really good job of just showing disparities in treatment and the lack of resources and the burnout of the employees and the cynicalness and the callousness that comes with a society that just refuses to support mental health in a preventative measure during afterwards. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, there's also something to be said. And if you look at our family as well, where resources are, are lacking for various reasons, it's almost like to be allowed to move on is a privilege that not everyone Mm -hmm 
gets, which is absurd. <laughs> we should not right. live in a society where you cannot move past your worst moments or if some people are forced to bear, quote unquote, the excessive consequences of their worst moments and other people mm-hmm. aren't. Some people are allowed to move past their traumas and other people are forced to be in it forever or penalized for it, for it forever with no right. redress. It's, right. it's infuriating, right? It's a different, it's another, not a different, it's another type of societal oppression. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, I think this book does a really good job of that part of the story in a visceral way that yeah. I thought was really interesting. No, absolutely. I mean, that, I mean, that's so, I mean, yeah, I just agree. That's right. Like, that's just like, that's such a great point. And I think there is, I mean, yeah, that additional tragedy, especially when you look at, you know, Vivian's mother, Anita, and like just other members of her family, where it's just like, okay, like, yeah, like, it's just like, you you know, because of a lack of resources, um, like folks are just not able to access the same services as Vivian, as far as like, you know, being able to like have a therapist and like all these different things that like kind of allow her to be in that space to, to process or even just like the slower pace of things. Right. You know, like Vivian's in a space where it's like, okay, like I have like time, right. Like I, 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 I'm, I have enough resources to sort of be in this more introspective period and not have to just worry about like my immediate survival, you know, where oftentimes it's like, yeah, like girl who gives a fuck about like, (laughs) you know, like the most like mentally optimal way of doing this. Like, I'm just like, whatever, like I'm just, I just need to like make it to the next day or, you know, to tonight or whatever the case is. And, 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 in that state uh, and, and, and also just in general, right. We're, we are continuing to live in a society and a world that adds trauma (laughs) to what it is that we're already navigating. And so it's just, it, it can feel so endless and it's just unfortunate that yeah you see i mean just i mean the scene with melissa i truly was like this is i mean i just i had to put the book down i'm like i hate everybody in this courtroom like i just i i had like i had a nervous like maybe like not even not hope but i was like okay the judge is like this like is this black man like maybe maybe there'll be some like empathy no 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 i'm like man i'm like no it because didn't racism, actually matter at all so I, I i i really like this point marcy because racism isn't just the people like mm-hmm. racism is the system that we live in y'all like it's not you an individual person can still harm disproportionately minorities while being a minority (laughs) because the system is racist and it the system makes us view certain groups of people in a certain light right Um, and and it's also incentivized right like i I mean they didn't go into the the minutiae of how this judge became a judge right but i i imagine having more of that white sympathetic worldview and in perspective um also does not hurt as far as being able to access those positions of power and, and all of that. It might be um, the penultimate reason why. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I think that encompasses everything. I guess we could talk about... I I have a couple of questions, but um, I feel like that actually encompasses everything. So, did you have any questions you wanted to touch on? Um... 
I'm just really sitting with how messy part two was, like towards the latter <laughs> half. And I'm like, it was. I just wanted to say, it's not even a question. I was literally just reading it and I, was, I wasn't reading it. I was listening to it and I was just like, did we switch protagonists? Like, I'm sorry, like Vivian, <laughs> Vivian is doing, I was just, I mean, thoroughly entertained. Like, I was like very entertained listening to it. But I was like, egad. Like, I was like, this yeah. Elliot mess, like, child, leave him. Like, anyway, so I just, like, it was just no, a lot I think going you're... on. Yeah, I actually think that's a, a decent, we should, we should dive into that, right? Like, because it mm. does seem, so it almost seems like a caricature of Vivian. No, literally. <laughs> It's so different. I was reading it. I was like, "What? Where are we right now?" I also had like secondhand embarrassment for a lot of it, so <laughs> I was very stressed. Like for me, interpersonal conflicts are very. When I'm a third person, are very stressful to me. But oh okay, my God. I, I, I struggled because I was like, "Okay, I get that Vivian is like reacting to everything she just went through, and it's like basically like if the world's gonna be callous, I'm gonna be callous too. I'm gonna." get what's mine i'm gonna make myself feel better right whatever way that makes sense because the world doesn't care either and i get that it like in the way the, the author's trying to show hey like this is what happens when you just suddenly you know when when you try to put a salve on a wound through other mm. means and you're right other people can do it successfully without having to think any deeper about their choices christina can marry this man who she doesn't care about for security and it probably yeah. won't f- affect her at all like max is probably a workaholic i think he like leaves the party yep. halfway through to like go do work like yeah and he can probably self-soothe that way everyone is se- paulina is probably self-soothing in her own way elliot doesn't have enough lines to s- self-soothe and lord right. knows where matthew is but right. <laughs> you know like everyone can do that mm-hmm. or well maybe not everyone but sometimes your personality is a type that society will over penalize for the way you react mm-hmm. or maybe penalize the right you know like i or i guess there's there are unhealthy ways that society accepts from certain people right. <laughs> and there are unhealthy ways that society doesn't accept from mm-hmm. certain people <laughs> and that sometimes that might not be the worst thing because i think it does force vivian to take a healthier healthier alternative um Mm -hmm. because society's reaction to behavior is so bad but also i don't know marcy i really struggled with this one because i was like vivian these actions are not they're not it's (laughs) not excusable it's not giving when she threw that glass i was like vivian I so I'm like I'm real I'm trying to ride for you but oh if Pauline hadn't ducked oh what this ended yeah like (laughs) what would you have done literally and like because now that's assault like that's assault (laughs) (laughs) like that's a case (laughs) right there's nothing you can say uh, that and then same thing with the weed like there's nothing you can really like there's no excuse for that. <laughs> there's like, nothing like, this is wild like. again like even the elliot thing you really can't and, and to be fair there is something to be said about like all of us do kind of and, and maybe you know all of us do kind of wildly socially unacceptable things but who of us gets in trouble goes to jail for it you know mm, what i mean there was an interesting that's thing here that that's enough to get you in trouble right like melissa did less than that and is institutionalized that's at real. a younger age. That's so real. there is, again, I do like that 
showing that disparity. It's not about people's actions that's necessarily, I think people have this take like, oh, I got here because I'm a good person. I've made all the right choices. No, you just might not have gotten penalized the way someone else did for maybe, maybe it was a parallel or an equal mm-hmm. thing. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe actually yeah. what they did wasn't as bad as something you did but got right. excused for, you know, for whatever re- what, for whatever reason that is. Yeah. Um, I'm really trying to find, like, meaning in the madness. But when I first read it, I was like, this is... I was like, I would have gone home. <laughs> no, I was <laughs> like... There, it, 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 like, the narrator was like, yeah, the next day Vivian... Because, like, her flight was supposed to leave the next day, like, in the evening. And she, like, went to the airport early and paid $350 to get on an earlier Oof. flight. And I'm like, Mama, right, good choice. Good choice. They were like, yeah, $350 later. She was like, I actually have to get the fuck up out of here right now. <laughs> because I actually cannot. Like, I literally cannot have anyone see me. I just, I need to, I just need to go home. Um, like, so. she can't be friends with Christina anymore, right? Like, that's not going to happen, right? Oh, no. Like, that. that's over. Like, I just, yeah. shit, even Max, I'm like, I mean, child. Max, I feel like, is still down for the count. But I was like, honey this is so but i mean the, I mean, the rest yeah. of the book did not mention christina or pauline so i think i think it's safe to say that they were like yeah vivian um we wish you the best but no but also <laughs> i i do want to say too like there also are consequences for your actions like vivian in in, in real life someone is gonna i feel like like she's gonna have to account for this to someone <laughs> right like maybe not maybe maybe yeah. not I don't know. I feel like this felt like not realistic. But you know what? You're right. Maybe they'll just stop being friends with her and never talk to her again. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It was stressful. Mm-hmm. Did you have any <laughs> final thoughts on the? I I, uh, I truly got secondhand embarrassment. I, like, no, like it was it was like a lot. I was like I literally was like oh my god. Um, <laughs> otherwise, no. I think that's um. I think I'm a good friend. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. If you had other thoughts or if you think our take is incorrect, you know, let us know at thesecoloredpages at gmail.com. And we have a website, thesecoloredpages.com. So check mm-hmm. us out there as well. Yes, of course, of course. And if the show brought you any love, light, delight, feel free to leave us some love wherever you're listening to this podcast. Could be Apple Podcasts or not. not. Um, also... If you like this episode and you think there's someone in your life that would really benefit from this discussion, um, certainly send them the link. Um, also, uh, please continue to give them context because, again, I, I, I want to just be throwing this episode. You know, want to be mindful of trigger warnings and things like that. But certainly send them this episode um, if you feel like they might benefit. And then, you know, let's, let's all just take a nap. You know, it's early as fuck. Let's just Ooh, take a nap. Let's yes. all just take a nap. And then upon awaking, then, yes, you can just... Do parkour, like jump from building Ooh. to actually only do that if you like want to or like train for it. Like don't just do right. some, like, stretch stretching. first, like right yeah. Yeah. or that. No, maybe maybe not parkour. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't have to jump between skyscrapers. Like maybe we can just stretch instead. Um, <laughs> but yes. And anyway, uh, that's going to help our community become more colorful somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Next time we're actually going to be reading my pick, which is called The Guild of Stories by Jewel Gomez. Um, and we'll also have some ghost too. Just, 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 just a little preview of some shenanigans to come. But between mm-hmm. now and then, Akka, are there any other things we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, just until we meet again. Remember to <gasps> stay, stay colorful. colorful.